Today on episode number 724, we're talking focus groups. And one way to make a focus group, or at least a community, is to start a Mighty Network. And I'm interviewing Jessica Shambora. She's the head of growth over at Mighty Networks. And you'll be interested to see there are some common themes when it comes to building community. Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting since 2005, I am your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. If you're new to the show, I help you launch your podcast, and then I help you grow your influence. My website is schoolofpodcasting.com. You can use the coupon code LISTENER, that's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R, when you sign up for either a monthly or yearly subscription, and it is the last episode of the month, and I started a thing a while back called the question of the month, where I ask you for feedback, and uh, the, here's, can I, we're going to peel back the curtain a little bit on this, I, this usually causes a lot of work, because I'll get, you know, nine or ten replies, which I love, by the way, I'm not complaining at all, but I edit all those down, and Usually people add in extra stuff. Hey, Dave, this isn't for air, but blah, 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 which again, I love. I'm not complaining, but it creates a lot of work. And then all of a sudden, as I'm publishing the show, I'm like, oh, what the heck is the question of the month for this month? And I come up with this. I don't know. What about this? And right now I'm obsessed with focus groups and getting input from your audience. And so I'm like, hey, uh, have you ever used a focus group? If not, uh, why not? And if you did, what did you learn? And I kind of knew when I put it out, I'm like, yeah, this is going to be a stinker. But I also know my audience is awesome. And I was hoping that somebody had maybe come through and actually done one. And also, I bet there are people with like a different background. Like we all kind of associate as podcasters, but there had to be somebody that had to have some sort of experience with focus groups or had seen one or been one or whatever, and in walks Max Trescott. Take it away, Max. Hello, Dave. This is Max Trescott of the Aviation News Talk podcast about your question on focus groups and more generally on market research. These days, I'm a full-time author and flight instructor, but before that, I worked for one of the largest computer companies for 25 years, and I once set up a number of focus groups to get customer feedback. I haven't used them for my podcast for reasons I'll explain, but I have done other kinds of market research for the podcast. Now, in the corporate world, focus groups involve recruiting maybe eight to 10 people. They come to a specially designed room where the people sit at a table with a moderator and the client who ordered the focus group sits behind a one-way mirror observing the discussion, which could run an hour or two. Of course, you don't need a special room and a one-way mirror to do a focus group. And you could, for example, do a Zoom meeting. Focus groups are great in the early stages of concept development because you can test a lot of ideas, get people's reactions, and even get new, better ideas from the people in the group. Though the results you get from focus groups are qualitative and can't be extrapolated. So, for example, they can't tell you that 9 out of 10 dentists prefer Crest, or that of the three podcast concepts you presented, the one the group liked best would indeed be the most popular show. So focus groups are probably most useful for someone who's just starting a new show and is trying to refine the concept. In my case, I had already been a co-host on the Airplane Geeks podcast for three years, so I already had a clear idea of the kind of show I wanted to create with Aviation News Talk. So instead of doing qualitative research such as focus groups, 
I've done several listener surveys, which are quantitative, so you can extrapolate the data. In each of the surveys, more than 100 people responded, and that gave me confidence that the data was reliable, and I've used it to make minor tweaks to the show. And the good news is, the show now consistently ranks among the top couple of shows in Apple's aviation category. And I do have to mention, I'm a graduate of the School of Podcasting, and I want to thank you, Dave, for all of your help. And people can find Aviation News Talk at aviationnewstalk.com. Thank you, Max. Yeah, he graduated from the School of Podcasting and is now one of my awesome supporters at Patreon. Next up, we have Sharon. Hi, I'm Sharon Wilharm, and I recently launched a new podcast called All God's Women. My vision was to do a short solo storytelling podcast about women in the Bible. But as I got more involved in the podcast world, I realized how rare solo storytelling podcasts are and thought I should spice it up a bit. So I put out the word to my actor and author friends and created an interactive show. Only as I edited it, I had this sinking feeling that it wasn't working. I hoped I was wrong, but then I had a neighbor who loved my podcast say it was different, and I could tell from her voice different wasn't better. Then I had a friend call me, and as politely as she could, she shared why my solo episodes worked and why the new format didn't. I knew it took a lot of courage for her to be so blunt, but she was only telling me what I already knew. I went on to get input from a podcasting Facebook group, and the overwhelming response was that the solo style was considerably better than the other. It was embarrassing to go back to everyone and say that I was wrong, that it didn't work, and that I was going back to the original, but I'm so thankful for the feedback. I would have hated to have continued in a direction that was obviously not working. Not to mention, I'm so thankful for the kind words of encouragement to let me know that I can do it the way I love, and I have an audience who loves it. Thank you so much, Sharon. You know, we all hate to hear things that if we mess things up, I know I put out an episode of More Podcast Money. That's a podcast I do. In fact, right now I'm giving away that book for free at More Podcast Money. And Scott Johnson from What Was That Like podcast, let me know. Or was it Matt Rafferty from the author inside you.com? I forget. One of you two guys, uh, let me know that I had about four minutes of blank at the end of my show. And then my intro music came back in again. And as much as I hate to hear that and you feel stupid because there's no one else to blame in my case, but at least it allowed me to fix it. And so, don't be afraid to step outside of your comfort zone. One last little thing before we get to Jessica. I did a thing this week. She's talking about this Mighty Networks class that I took. I'm still in the middle of I'm on uh, week three of five. And one of my homework assignments was to do market research. So this is where you kind of ask those salesy kind of questions like, what's your biggest hurdle with podcasting, blah, blah, blah. And I just felt like, mm, eh, not my kind of questions to ask and then I went from asking those questions I didn't like to to people I knew to asking those questions that kind of made me feel a little salesy to complete strangers. And I am underneath all this. If you take the microphone away, I'm kind of a shy guy. And that put me way outside my comfort zone. But by doing that, by getting outside of my comfort zone, I learned a bunch of stuff. And that's really the key. And it takes courage and realize that you know, it's sometimes it's, it's a tough pill to swallow, but in the end, it's that pill that you swallow that makes you better. So we're going to transition here to a little mighty networks talk. And 
if you're like, well, I don't want a membership site, I'm here to say you might want to listen to this because here again, we see the same themes that I preach here over and over and over. And that is number one, no, and I mean, no inside and out your target audience and then figure out what they want and give it to them. And then this particular system, I've got to do something with this. I don't know how or where or what, but I want to play with this tool. You can use it for free. There are a couple of different uh, uh, plans that you'll hear her talk about. It's a pretty cool system. And uh, this is my, and so again, you can listen to this and you'll hear some of the people that are using it. I asked her for some examples and I'm, I like this whole area because I'm hanging around with people who are building communities and that's what I want to learn so I can pass it along to you. Here is my talk with Jessica Shambora from Mighty Networks. Oh, I, before I even get to that, one last thing, I forget to mention this. Uh, Mighty Networks, it turns out, has an affiliate program. So if you're interested in this, go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash Mighty Networks. Here's my talk with Jessica. Well, joining me via Squadcast a couple of weeks ago, if you're a listener to the show, you heard the guys from Wealth Without Wall Street talk about how they were just like having this awesome interaction with their community. And they mentioned a thing called Mighty Networks. And I'd kind of sniffed around Mighty Networks, but I was like, hmm, I need to go back and look. And so I bumped into Jessica Shambora. She's the head of brand and growth. And I said, would you please come on and explain what the heck a Mighty Networks is? And uh, Jessica, thanks for coming on the show. I'm glad to be here. Thanks so much for having me. If you go to MightyNetworks.com, it, it kind of explains you kind of do a lot of stuff. I mean, you can use it to have a community, you can sell online courses. So kind of, uh, you know, you're talking to podcasters. What would a podcaster maybe want to do with Mighty Networks? Yeah. So you point out something great, which is that we have a very flexible platform. So it can be used in lots of different ways. We actually started as a community platform and then realized that basically a lot of our customers came to us and said, we really want to do courses on your platform too. And so we realized how those two things should go hand in hand. And so we built out our courses piece and we already had the ability to also offer subgroups. So that's another piece of it. So to just back up, you know, a mighty network is your space online. It is your own little world that you get to build. In fact, we have the ability to, you can use a custom domain. So it's your destination and it's your people. So they create profiles just for your Mighty Network. It's not a centralized social media platform like you would find you at a Facebook or a LinkedIn. So uh, your members are your members. They come, they create a profile within your Mighty Network community. And then within that Mighty Network community, you can offer groups and courses and you can charge for any of those things. You can charge for your Mighty Network. You can charge for your groups. You can charge for your courses. You can run your groups like a mastermind if you want to do that. You can also run your courses however you want. You can run them live where you're doing live sessions with folks and sending out materials, uploading materials, or you can run them sort of evergreen. But the great part is, is that the community aspect of the course is lives right alongside the course material itself. So there's no, I go here for my course and somewhere else for the community. It's all in one place. And, you know, we've been actually teaching our own course on the platform for close to a year now. We just started our ninth cohort and we have just seen how beautifully this model works and that when people experience it, there's no going back. 
It's like, why would you want to learn any other way than inside of a community with other people who are going through this with you? It's just no fun to learn in a vacuum. And it's also you lose all of that motivation and accountability and momentum that you get from being with other people who are on this journey with you and you're all doing it together. So so we really see courses as a core use case for the platform. But at the same time, we also see com- you know communities that are completely driven by just the interactions of its members and what they have going on week to week. And sometimes they don't even use the courses. So, so it really offers that flexibility. Yeah. I had somebody on my chat today that stopped by and she brought, it's, it's funny. Every time I turn around, somebody's bringing up mighty networks and I forget she had a very interesting disease that I can never pronounce if mm-hmm. I tried, but she said, yeah, I'm creating a space for my people. They want to go to some place where I don't have to explain what it's like to have mm-hmm something I couldn't pronounce. And she said, oh yeah, I'm, I'm starting this. And she said it's the same thing. I'm going to start with a community, but then they're going to have some areas that you can charge for. So you could basically use this as what people call a freemium. You can have free yep. spaces to get them in and then charge them for the courses. That's absolutely right. So that's kind of one of the two models we see. So make your Mighty Network free or public to enter and then offer paid experiences within that community that you can then sort of upsell people to. Or you can make the whole Mighty Network, you know, paid and make it a paid membership. And then you could also offer sort of one-time experiences within that. So maybe the overall community is subscription-based and then you offer one-off courses inside that are, you know, a one-time purchase. So basically those are the two most common models that we do see. What are some of the, I guess, mistakes or, or things that maybe people have the wrong expectations when they start out? When you see somebody like, oh, boy, they're kind of going off the grid here. What's What are some best practices? Yeah. And I should mention the name of our course is called the Community Design Masterclass. And we've had upwards of 1,600 people go through it now. So that's really exciting. But I think the first thing that we hear from people that we see with people when they're creating a community is they think it's just a place to basically repost their content from other channels. So like I had someone even ask me today, like, well, what should my content strategy be, you know, as compared to Instagram? And I'm like, whoa, 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 this is not Instagram. You know, Instagram is you pushing posts and content at people. A Mighty Network is about bringing those people together to do something together. It's about the connections they're making and the fact that it gets better with each person who joins that community. And there's interactions happening between your members, not just you and your members. So that's the first thing is that it's not about content. It's not about pushing content at people because we are in a world now where, you know, it used to be it was hard to find information. Now there's just too much of it. And so what the job of a host, which is what we call our creators on our platform, is sometimes to actually like clear out the noise for people and help just bring them kind of what they need to know and then help them make sense of it and connect the dots. And where they're really making those connections is actually interacting with each other, both in what they bring to each other and their stories and experiences but also in terms of the support that they offer each other, the encouragement and the the motivation to keep moving. So I think where we see that is that number one problem of how people are framing up what a community is and what you do with it. It's not like a content repository. You can have content there, you can offer content to people, but there has to be something more than that. I think the second thing that we see a lot is um, that people think they have to have it right from the beginning. They have to be perfect in order to launch this thing. They have to, everything needs to be perfect from day one, the day they, they open the doors. And what we're finding is that the most successful Mighty Networks hosts are those that are just like 
have a, a growth mindset, have an experiment, their experimenter's mindset. They're like, I'm going to try this thing and see how it works. And if it clicks with my community, great. If not, I'm going to try something else. And they're consistent in their practices where they do something, you know, week over a week for six weeks and then see if it takes. And if it doesn't, they try something else. So they're not discouraged. And they also kind of take away that sense of like I have being a perfectionist, like everything has to be perfect. Instead, they're just about like, am I creating results for people? Basically, they keep their eyes on the prize as opposed to just feeling like this is again some like picture perfect place of like an Instagram world. It's not about that. <laughs> you can start ugly, as my friend uh, Chris Kermitzos has a book called Start Ugly. And I love like, it. I never heard yeah. of it, but that's like, that's amazing, you know? And, and uh, the problem is that people get in their own way when they get too attached to perfect, right? Or too attached to it's got to look like this, or I've got to have, it's got to be huge. That's another th- challenge that we see. People get so attached to the numbers. What's your biggest mighty network? You know, how many, what, what do, how many people do I need to make it engaging? Some of our best mighty networks have less than 40 people. But what's happening is the engagement, the, the connections that people are making there are real, they're substantial, they're making a difference in people's lives. And that's what really matters. So that's what we're focused on and what we encourage our hosts to be focused on. Well, and it may be a case where, granted, if you're having people pay for these, you want a really big group. But on the other hand, I would think in some cases having a gigantic group, now you've got to start. Can you, I'm assuming you can assign people to be moderators yes. and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cause yeah. I know, and I don't run into that a lot, but I can hear, I can see where somebody comes in and they just want to, you know, whatever. Hey, look, I have a new episode out. And you're like, Oh, let's not start that because it just turns into a giant spam fest. And right. Yeah, that whole nine yards. Which we don't actually see happen that much in Mighty Networks, which is awesome, is that we encourage community guidelines. People tend to respect that. The culture in a Mighty Network is very different because, again, it's set apart from any other space online and it's it feels like its own world. And so because of that, it has its own rules and people follow those rules, right? So Well, and that's the thing. I went through and started to play with one and you guys make it so easy. It's like, hey, here's the first thing you got to do. You can tweak this if you want. And then it just kind of walks you through that. But you mentioned it is away from in some cases everything else so what would you say to that person that's like "Mm, i don't know if i want to take my community into a brand new place where they're not there yet i have to say oh hey i know this is a cool room it is and i'm i have my definite reservations about facebook especially now with all the privacy stuff Mm -hmm. but you know you're like hey i know it's cool over here and you're all comfy I've got I've got drinks and cookies in the other room over here, too. I mean, are you having people that kind of have that kind of like, mm, not sure if that's the right move or not? What do, yeah. what do you say to that? People do have that concern. First of all, I want to go back to what you said earlier about making it easy to get started. I think you were referring to yeah. our Mighty Checklist, which oh, it's awesome. is super awesome. We give you tons of templates and videos and guides to getting started. And you just basically have to run through that and you're ready to go. So I'm glad you found that and, and found it. Helpful. I'm going to say it took maybe 20 minutes, if that. And that's just, it wouldn't have even been that long. But do you set up... Is it categories? Mm-hmm. You, you set up in there. You set up your topics, and then you also set up member cat- member categories, which are like okay. helping people identify, you know, how they want to get or how you want to organize your people inside of yeah. your mighty network. Yeah. And so I had to figure out what it was I was doing there, yeah. and otherwise, once I did that, it was just going yeah. right along. So yeah, it is yeah. super easy to to set up. Yeah. So that's our that's our goals. Make it easy. And at the same time, flexible, right? Give people options. So yeah. anyways, just want to call that out. So back to your question about Facebook. So the, the it's an interesting one that comes up. And, you know, the thing that I would say is kind of to your analogy is if you're a Facebook group, do you want to be just another room inside a huge 
like hotel of rooms where people are just walking down the halls and dipping their head into, oh, this room looks interesting. Maybe I'll check it out. Mm, Not much going on here. I'm going to go into the next room. To me, that's Facebook, right? It's like, yeah, it's a big hotel. Everybody's in it. Maybe they can stop off and check out the rooms, but they're not really invested or engaged in any of them because they're always kind of like, well, what's going on in this next room? Or so-and-so said there was something else going on over here, you know? I just got a notification that I should go check out this other thing that's happening. So it's super distracting. You're always being pulled away. Not only that, but you're also being advertised. Your your members, when you have a Facebook group, are being shown groups like yours to go join. So you know you're actively being pulled away from what they're doing in your group. And the reality is that if people are coming to your space, they're probably doing it just because they happen to be on Facebook. They didn't do it deliberately to come spend time in your group, right? They're like, oh, I'm on Facebook. I'll stop by and see what's happening in this Facebook group. But I don't know. I got like 20 other notifications to check. So I'm not really sure like how much time I'm actually going to spend in here, right? Is this the most engaging material on the platform? I don't know. Now, if you contrast that to a mighty network, someone is choosing to consciously go to that place and spend time there. And when they're there, they're focused and they're not getting distracted and pulled away into other things and other places, which, you know, from everything I'm hearing from people I talk to, and I don't know if you're hearing this too, is people want more of those kinds of experiences now. They want, they don't like this attention grabbing thing where it's like, I feel like I'm bouncing between one thing to another. And I don't really, at the end of it all, I'm like, what did I just spend the last 20 minutes doing? Whereas if you're inside of a mighty network, you're there and you feel like you've actually done something. You've spent time with people you care about. You probably were learning something. You were probably in, you know, engaged in something meaningful. And so that's how we really see it as a really a different difference in terms of the type of experience that people are having and that how important is your group if in order to get people to come to it, they have to be a Facebook member? How important is it to them versus they're actively choosing to come and spend time in your world that you've created and really do something there? And the reality is, is if you're offering something of value to them, that's helping them change their life in a meaningful way or supporting them, then they're going to make the time to go there and they're going to, they're going to make it a habit and make it a part of their lives. So. And you said my favorite word, which is value. Mm -hmm. And when you deliver value and that person then sticks around, they're also then going to tell their friends, Oh, you got to come over here. And it then just breeds success. You did mention notifications. So let's say, you know, I, I download the, the app that comes, you know, I've got my custom app now, everything's cool and I can log in there. And, and I guess I would get some sort of little number one or red dot or yep. something letting me know that there's activity there. Yeah. Can, what if, what if I'm old? Can I get an email notification? Yeah. Okay. And in fact, so that we what, just offered the ability, you can get it via email, mobile or both. And we also just launched a digest so that if you just want to get all your notifications in one day, at the end of the day, you can get that. So um, we make that possible too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause that's gotta be the way if, if, if you're worried about your audience not coming to you, you can still yeah. go to them via notification, yeah. say, look what you're, look at the party we're having here. over here. Exactly. And I want to note that that is something that's really unique about our platform versus some of the other course platforms out there is that we have native mobile apps for Android iOS and the iPad, and very few other platforms have that. And that's what allows us to engage people at the same level that they would be on a Facebook 
or another social platform because, again, we have those apps that live on your phone and send you notifications and keep people coming back in. And we see a huge amount of engagement happening on mobile. So uh, upwards of 65% are happening on our mobile apps. So I would just like ask people, if you're on a platform right now where you're, the platform doesn't have mobile apps, like how much engagement are you missing out on? Can you give us some examples? Because it is kind of like, you know, almost like a Swiss army knife. There's so right. many different ways you can configure it that you've seen people, uh, if they're podcasters, that's that would be great. Or just yeah. how people are using it to, to build their community and, and, you know, advance their, whatever their goal is, I guess. I would love to. It's my favorite thing to do to talk about our hosts and what they're building. And one of my favorite parts of my job is that I actually get to, to interview them. So let's talk about a few of those. And as you as you mentioned, many of them do start as podcasters. So I'll, I'll mention a few of those as well as we go through. But we basically see three categories, uh, the most cate- most common categories of hosts that come and build a mighty network. The first is professional-driven networks or industry groups, basically. So this is everything from youth ministers to nurses to florists to financial advisors to therapists to I mean the list goes on and it's almost like if you can think of it someone's creating a network for it restaurant owners um, and the reality is these are all people who used to belong to sort of you know industry organizations and that world is all evolving and they're taking it online and they're doing it in this way we've got a great one for CIOs called CIO net so if almost if you can imagine it, we probably have a mighty network for that profession. Chaplains, you know, and and the ones that we do see very commonly are people who work independently, and so they don't they don't work in an office with other people. They're sort of either independent contractors, or you know, they work in a profession like therapists or ministers, where it's there's some confidentiality, and you need to run things by other people, right? But they're also sort of ongoing education, continuing education happening in these spaces. So one of our really successful ones is um, called the Advisor Growth Community, started by two guys who had a podcast, actually two podcasts. They're financial advisors. And they ha- and they also had this super active community of folks they were connected to on Twitter. And they just kind of had this idea of like, we should bring these people together in like a smaller, more intimate space where we can really get into some of the things that we want to explore. They're really curious growth mindset folks. and. So they did it. And the community is, there are no courses inside. So it is a purely pure community. It's $2,000 a year to join. And they've got upwards now of, you know, I believe 100, 150 members. And it is just phenomenal the, the what they're doing. So Advisor Growth Community is one that I love and and they're just doing great work and their members love it. And it's I've talked to some of their members and it's really just changed for them because financial advisors, again, Often work independently, they need a group of people they can bounce things off of. We also have one. So those guys, one of them is based, I think, actually in the Midwest and the others in San Diego. We have a lot of co-hosts who are based in different places, which is super fun. <laughs> Another set of co-hosts, two women that I that I interviewed recently have a mighty network for people who want to be children's books authors and illustrators. And so they take this industry that's very opaque and hard to break into. There's no real guidance for how to do this. And they take these people through it, not only how to build a portfolio of artwork that you can then pitch to publishers and editors, but also the business behind it. Like, how do you build a business off of this? And it's almost like you see these little mini business schools for all these different industries. 
My other favorite one is a woman in Australia who has one for floral arrangers. So she teaches floral arrangers how to really build a successful floral arranging business. And she teaches them everything from, you know, tools of the trade of actually working with the flowers and all those pieces, but then, you know, how to be profitable and how, and all the business skills that come to that. Because a lot of people that get into working with flowers don't necessarily have the business savvy to go with it. And I would say she also has built um, her audience off of a podcast that she does. So I, w- I would say probably at least 50% of our folks um, have some type of podcast that they're doing or starting. We've got... A- so that's that industry channel. That's an industry group. The second category we see is around health and wellness. Lots of that right now. And then spirituality kind of I include in that as well. So that could be anything like the woman you were talking about earlier who has a rare disease and they want to be with other people who have that so they can talk about you know self-care and treatments and whatever else they're working on. But it's also people who are like exploring new aspects of spirituality or using, you know, herbs for, you know, different types of treatments or things like that. So again, a woman that I spoke to a couple of weeks ago, she has a mighty network called Raw Spirituality. And she started with a podcast, her podcast followers started writing into her. She's like, these people need to know each other. And then she just, her friend happened to have a mighty network and was like, you got to try this. And now raw spirituality is this thriving uh, mighty network for people who are exploring, you know, concepts like, you know, consciousness and enlightenment and all of those pieces. I also have another woman who does like body work, meditation, same thing. And a lot of these folks too are, who are people who had physical businesses that they had to shut down with COVID. And they're actually now able to either um, bring them online, fully online and run courses and, and things out of their mighty network, or they they kind of pivoted and, you know, went deeper into a line of business. They had always kind of wanted to start around breath work or some of these not super mainstream, but like evolving and emerging space of wellness and health. So that's the second area that we see a lot. And then the third area is around, you know, just kind of hobbies, right? So special interests, hobbies, things that people really get invested in. We've got knitters and weavers. And I left this out of the industry one. It's kind of, some of them cross over. There's dog trainers, people who, you know, how to train dogs for competition. Basically, if like, if someone's into it, there's probably a Mighty Network for it. There's someone just launched a sourdough making Mighty Network that I saw that looks awesome. Um, And then one of my favorites is called the Black Curl Magic Digital Salon. And this is two young Black women who are cosmetologists and they have curly hair and they wanted to teach women how to manage their hair. And so this has blown up. I mean, it's huge. They launched a course called the 30-Day Hair Detox. They bring their members in, they teach them how to manage their hair. And then after the course, the women are inside the community as they begin to implement the things that they've learned and they get feedback directly from the from the hosts of this network, teaching them how to adopt this new routine for their hair. Those are just some of the examples that we've seen. But the creativity, the inspiration of the the these people is just phenomenal. It blows me away. I love it. That's interesting. It's very cool. All of those are, again, very, very niche but yet they have a community of people that are dying to get together and, and talk to each other. But it's a perfect um, match for podcasters, right? Because there's a podcast oh, about everything. So it's like, if you've got a podcast, you've got a group of people that wants to get together and connect on this thing and go deeper with it. It's perfect. One thing I definitely want to hit on, you mentioned that you do have, if you want to, you can take a course on how to set up your course. 
but you don't have to do that. You go, you guys yeah. do have just like I mentioned the what is it the, the checklist, checklist kind of yeah. walk you through. And then is there other types of tutorials or things like that if somebody wants to? If somebody goes, mm, I don't really, you know, I've got enough to to join. I don't want to have to take a course to learn how to do it. We do have a lot of that stuff on our resources page on our website. I would say that we have also a very robust help center with lots of videos and tutorials kind of walking you through how to do things. You know, the, it's so interesting who comes and takes the masterclass, the community design masterclass, because we get people who are brand new to Mighty Networks. And then we get people who have been on the platform for two years and they're like, I'm going to go check this thing out. And it's partly because it's just so fun to be a part of this group of people. It's like, it's not like you're normal, like, oh, I have to go do this, like, sit down and watch <laughs> like five YouTube videos. You know what I mean? It's like people come and then write in. Up some homework. No, yeah. I mean, we had our launch session yesterday for uh, this new one. We just launched this new, the latest mm. cohort. We had over 170 people turn out live for this first session. And I can tell you like the number of people in the comments and afterwards we do it on Crowdcast, by the way, that are just so fired up. And partly it's like people need connection right now more than ever, yeah. right? They just want to be with other people who are like doing the same thing they're doing and excited about it. And they're just feeding off that energy and it's powerful. So it's as much about the experience of it, I think, as it is like, oh, I'm doing a course, you know? Yeah. How often do you guys offer that course? Every five weeks. All right. It's a five-week course. We do a... I think a, you have a new student coming your way here. It's so much fun. It's basically a party in there. And people... Lots, I can't tell you how every cohort at the very end, I hear from people saying, I'm so sad it's over. Like, yeah. I, and maybe I'll just join the next one just so I can be a part <laughs> of it. And it's like, I totally get it. I understand you have a free program. So what, what can you do on the free plan? Yeah, so we if somebody do, wants we, to dip their toe in the yeah, water. Yeah, we have a free plan. And basically, it just offers like... You know, fairly limited functionality, but we have a ton of folks using it. You bring your people in. I believe you can do topics in there and you don't have access to groups or courses. So that's something that uh. you don't have. I don't think you have the member categories. So it's fairly basic in terms of like you can post things and you can organize them by topics. But beyond that, there isn't a lot you can do. So what is the the next level up from free is the what plan? Is our community plan. And the community plan starts at $23 per month. And actually, that's if you purchase annually. And so with your community plan, you'll get your own web domain. So again, we want this to feel like your own little world. So your own web domain, you get unlimited moderators. And then, as we mentioned, you can charge for membership. So you get groups, you get, you know, events. What are some of the other features that people really love about community plan? You get like a, we have like a member referral program, so you can track who's bringing people in. We have this polls and questions. You can add an icebreaker question so that anybody who joins answers that icebreaker question. Yeah, you can find members who are online now. We also have this great feature called um, the welcome and featured section. That's basically the ability to pin multiple posts at the top of your activity feed. And so with the welcome section, it's a, it's a section where your members see that for the first seven days that they're members, you can show them special posts, help them with Mm. their onboarding. And then after that week, they then begin to see your featured section, which is you can feature groups and courses in that section. You can feature articles or events, just the most important things you want to make sure that you get in front of people. The teacher in me just smiled a lot because that's, I was a teacher for decades. And when I hear a good, when I see a good onboarding process, I'm like, yes, hallelujah. Um, The referral thing could be really cool because you could have like a weird, well, not weird. You could have some sort of, you know, you get a t-shirt, the person that refers the most people this month, 
you know, gets the free T-shirt of the month kind of thing. That's totally. that could be very. And that's you said it was twenty three annually. What is it if it if it's monthly? I believe it's twenty eight monthly if you buy the community plan. Bad. Yeah. And then we mentioned okay, so the free plan. There's the community plan, and then the plan after that is the business plan. Businesses where you can do is where you can do courses so and, much. You can do courses. We give you access to a member analytics so you can see tons of stuff that are going on that's going on in the background. You get all of your member data so you get a download of all your members' emails, which you really can't do with a Facebook group, right? You don't know who those right. people are. And they get all that yeah, information. They get it all. It's their yeah. members. So you get that. What else is super? We also, is that what is called um, premium analytics? Yes, the premium analytics. Okay. And then we okay. also offer the ability to integrate with Zapier, which mm. opens up uh, access to like 2000 other um, integrations. And so that's pretty powerful as well. And there's a lot of automation that you can do on the, the back end to just kind of streamline everything. So that's pretty popular as well. So the business plan gets you a lot. Yeah, it's right now I'm using Thinkific. I could save a fair amount of cash if I moved over. The other thing that people are going to ask is, well, like, how do I know what to charge? Oh, yeah. That is a question we get a lot. You've probably never heard that question. Never. No. Only every single time we have any sort of... (laughs) I I mean, I run several hours of office hours on every Thursday and it's basically the most common question that comes up. So we have a rubric that we give people to help them determine what would be the right price. I mean, it starts with knowing your ideal member. It starts with really pinpointing you know, the purpose of your mining network and what you're helping people to do and the change that you're helping them make in their lives and figuring out what that's worth to them. And also figuring out if they didn't use your community as a way to getting to that result, what are their other options out there and what would they pay for those options? So whether it's private coaching or therapy or a class or a book or something else, figure out what that would cost them and then, you know, back it out. That's how we approach it. But, and then beyond that, I can just, I'll sit and talk to people about what they're thinking about charging. And then I can, you know, because I've seen so many now I can get people a sense of like, yeah, that feels like it's in the right ballpark of what, you know, people would pay for this type of thing. Do you see people undercharge a lot? Because when I, when I started the school of podcasting, it was five bucks. Oh my gosh. And I thought if if I could get a hundred people, I'd be $500 (laughs) a month. And then my friend said, what can you buy online? That's of decent quality for five bucks. And I went, Right. Oh yeah, that's and that's that's really where you run into it. It's not that you you could have the best thing ever. You're dealing with a perceived value. Yes. And that's so is there so important. Do, and yes, this yeah. is a big problem we run into because we have a lot of people who are moving from having a free Facebook group over to something with a their mighty network. They either want to create a paid membership or they want to create paid groups and courses inside of their mighty network. And so they're like, Well, if I could just get like you said, if I could just get like a hundred people would pay me like $2. And it's like, it doesn't work that way. You're not going to get people to who were getting something for free to now pay you just a little bit more to get it on another platform. So you basically have to offer a completely differentiated product or experience from your Mighty Network. And then we recommend going premium. So if you're starting from scratch, we tend to say that the best way to do this is go like charge a one-time fee for like a six to eight week course in the hundreds of dollars, right? So anywhere from like 300 to $600. And then once you get that initial group of people in, it could be as small as five, as many as 50. 
through that experience, then you shift them over to paying like a monthly subscription as they continue to implement what it is that you've taught them. That's a model that we see working really, really well. But yeah, we often will tell people don't underprice what you're offering, especially when you compare it to what people would pay for something to, again, get similar results from another platform. I mean, people pay for therapy. A lot of our, our, I would say a lot of our hosts, you know, not all of them, but some, for example, are therapists. And it's like, you're going to charge typically like 200 bucks a session. So why would you charge someone like $5 for a membership in your It just doesn't compute, you know? And not only that, but like we have this great mighty network. This guy started for adults with ADHD. He coaches them. He used to work with them in private, like one-to-one. And he found that... And then he started doing groups. And then he found that people were getting better results in the groups than in his one-to-one coaching. And he was like, so he gave up the one-to-one coaching and now he does all of his stuff through groups. Mm. So there's almost, an, you know, there is an argument to be made that people actually get better results when they do it, when they do something as part of a group than, than even that they would get from one-to-one. So, so we say go higher ticket. And if you are starting out with and just a membership, you, you, we tend to coach people that yeah. be in the, um, probably in the like 24 99 all the way up to kind of 49.99. And again, if you're running something professional or industry based where someone could potentially expense it and or they're getting a direct ROI off of being part of that mighty network, you can obviously charge more. If it's more of a hobby on the other end of things and more of a sort of like something that people are just there for the enjoyment of it, then you're going to kind of usually charge on the lower end. And of course, we always recommend offering, you know, usually recommend offering an annual option as well. Well, that's what I was going to say. It sounds like you have an annual, a monthly, mm-hmm. a one-time option. Mm-hmm. So you could have like a lifetime membership. Yeah. And then if you add more things and you're like, wow, the, the people that got the lifetime are really just like, wow, what a value. Yeah. But you could also say, hey, I know your lifetime and you have you have access to everything you've had so far. We added this new thing. And guess what? It's 10 bucks a month or $20 a month or something like that. So can you do a coupon? So the way we do that, the way we do discounts on our platform is we is kind of unique and it's pretty cool. Actually, it's something called a hidden plan. And so what you do is you create a special plan at either a discounted rate, or for example, you could offer an extended free trial for up to a year. And then you would give someone a hidden link, what we call a share link to that hidden plan so that only they have access to it. So if you have a group of people you want to offer scholarships to or discounts mm-hmm. or you know something like that, you just share that link with just that group of people and they get access. And if for some reason that link were to get out, which we actually haven't really seen that happen, you can always reset right. the link. Uh, and you can see everybody who's joined on that via that link. So if there's somebody there who isn't supposed to be, it's pretty easy to, to remove them. So it works really well. It's a pretty cool process. How do I get paid and do you take any part of the payment? Yes, we do take a small percentage. So we, for our community plan, we take, so let me start with a free plan. We take 5% of member subscription fees from the free plan. So actually you can sell access to your Mighty Network on the free plan currently. Okay. And um, But we'll take 5% of that. And then um, on the community plan, we take 3%. And then the business plan, we take 2%. So that's how that works. And then how you get paid is we do, we just do payouts. You connect a, there's kind of two ways because we, again, we offer our, our stuff for sale on iOS, which is pretty unique. You get paid out by Apple for anything that gets purchased on iOS. And then otherwise you are um, setting up a Stripe account to connect into your Mighty Network and you'll just get paid through via that Stripe account. And when Apple pays us, are they taking a chunk of that? Yes, Apple does take 30% like they do of everything. 
So yeah, um, they can. Yeah. And so we actually at Mighty Networks don't take a percentage of anything that people buy off of Apple because we you know, want to make sure that you're getting as much of that as possible. And the other thing that we right. do is we allow you to raise your um, prices on Apple so that if you want to charge more on that platform to recoup any of that loss, you can do that. And you can let your members know that you are doing that, that if they purchase yeah. your Apple, that it's going to be more expensive. Have I missed anything really good? <laughs> I know right now I'm like going, oh, I, I, my wallet is on fire. <laughs> I'm already brainstorming things here. I was like, ah. I would just emphasize like it's so much fun. It is really, really yeah. fun to build a Mighty Network, to be a part of our community of Mighty Networks hosts. Uh, it's one of the reasons, you know, I, I love working there because of the folks that we get to work with, the creativity that we see. They're so inspiring in what they're building and how they're bringing people together, especially during a time like this. And, you know, I would just say if you've thought about building something like this and you've been intimidated or felt like it's going to be a lot of work, don't let that stop you. It actually doesn't have to be. The things that people typically associate with why running a group or community is a lot of work is things like, you know, oh, there's going to be spammers or bots, or I'm going to have to deal with people and people are messy or, or kind of can be annoying. And the reality is when you build a mighty network, you're bringing your people together. They're the people that you, they're your closest followers, fans, the people that love you. They want to be there for the right reasons. They have the right intentions. And so what you end up getting is more energy from the experience and that ability to have that tight, close connection with your people that helps you figure out what's the next thing I'm going to build or going to launch for these people. So I would just kind of want people to check their assumptions at the door about what it means to build a community and actually see it as something that can be give them energy as opposed to sucking energy away. It's just a really delightful, joyful experience. And, you know, I, I've seen it over and over. And I just think it's the world needs more people doing this kind of work right now. So if you're at all inclined, come do a free trial, check out the masterclass. It's so much fun. And and see what it's all about and, and see if it's something that you could benefit from. But but I do think it's really, really fun. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times I've been like, I'm going to go build a Mighty Network to do, you know. <laughs> so I got to stay focused here. I got I got my Mighty yeah. on my host to work with. But, but it is so, so much fun. Awesome. Well, Jessica, thank you so much for your time. I deeply appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. It was super fun to talk about all of this. A couple things I really like that she said there. It's not about pushing out information but more about people connecting to each other and getting the motivation to keep moving. One of the things I learned in this class, and I was actually tempted not to share this because I think it's really good, is one of the things that you charge money for is transformation. So somebody wants to do something, they join your group, now they're doing it. That's what she said. You have to think about like how much would they pay to how many books would they have to buy to be able to get this? How many if they went to a therapist or things like that? But they said there comes a point when you're getting them from point A to point B. And so many people think you have to add more material to add value. And instead, what you need to figure out is now that I'm getting from them from point A to point B, how do I get them from point A to point B faster? And I went, oh. That's a good point because I kind of fall into that from time to time. I'll keep adding more things to the school of podcasting. Mm -mm, I don't think I'm going to do that anymore. So thanks again. If you want to check it out, schoolofpodcasting.com slash mighty networks. Hey, is your audience not growing fast enough? 
Have you ever stopped to think that maybe it's your content? Look, I know your friends and family said it was great and they wouldn't lie, right? I mean, they love you. Find out what needs polished and what you need to do more of when you get your show reviewed at podcastreviewshow.com. That's podcastreviewshow.com. The question of the month for June, courtesy of Scott Johnson from whatwasthatlike.com. He said, I think this would be a fun question. What would be the ultimate guest for you? Like, who would you just love to get on your podcast? If you obviously, if you do interviews, because I get the feeling this is going to be one of those that somebody's going to hear this and say, well, I know so-and-so who knows so-and-so, and maybe that person can tell that guy to get her on the show. I will need this by February 26, 2020. Go to com slash question, and be sure, just like Max and Sharon did today, to mention your website clearly and slowly. We are not giving any kind of medals away for saying your website so fast that I can't hear it or your, your the name of your podcast. I always love that. What's the name of your show? School of Podcasting. What? No, there's, there's no medals for that. So thanks so much for listening. In the future, I'm going to be doing an episode on some myths. That's always fun to say, myths. That are some some false information. How's that? That's been circulating, and I'm like, I don't know where that's coming, but it keeps coming up. So you can subscribe to the show, schoolofpodcasting.com slash subscribe. It's free, and the minute it's available, it shows up right on your device. Thanks so much for listening. Until next week, take care. God bless. Class is dismissed. And thanks to all the veterans on Memorial Day here in the U.S.